We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for August 16th, 2009. And today, I guess the title of the study is going to be The Third Temple Controversy. And I, I don't know if you might have seen lately where there were some reports. This one that we're going to be citing um, that World Daily Net had reported on regarding the Muslim leader once the temple rebuilt and the Jewish Sanhedrin rabbis unite with, with Turkish Muslim on common cause. And that was pretty noteworthy because this isn't something you normally will see Muslims and, and the Jews agreeing on different things like this. Um, from this report, we can read, with the Middle East still in chaos and rumors of war in the air, the idea of rebuilding the, Ju the Jerusalem temple on a foundation occupied and administered by Islamic militants might seem fanciful, even preposterous. Aden Oktar, who uses the pen name Harin Yahya, I'm sure I'm butchering it, but that's how it looks, is a controversial but highly influential Turkish Muslim intellectual and author with more than 65 million of his books in circulation worldwide. Akhtar recently met with three representatives from the re-established Jewish Sanhedrin, a group of 71 Orthodox rabbis, scholars from Israel, to discuss how religious Muslims, Jews, and Christians can work together on this project. Uh, quoting from him, he says, The objectives of the alliance include waging a joint intellectual and spiritual battle against the worldwide growing tide of irreligiousness, unbelief, and immorality. Meaning, the world in and of itself is not religious enough, and there's a lot of unbelief and immorality. Explains Richardson, who met in Turkey with Akhtar, and then they go on to further quote, but even more unusual is their agreement with regard to the need to rebuild the Jewish temple, a structure that Mr. Akhtar refers to as the Masjid Mosque, or the Palace of Solomon. An official statement about the meeting has been published on a Sanhedrin website. Concluding, the concluding statement reads, Out of the sense of collective responsibility for world peace and for all humanity, we have found it timely to call to the world and exclaim that there is a way out for all peoples. Okay, so this is their way out for all peoples, is what they're saying. It is etched in a call to all humanity. We are the sons of one father, the descendants of Adam, and all humanity is but a single family. Peace among nations will be achieved through the house of G-D. Now this is a typical way that you'll see really religious Jews or Messianic, the people in the Hebrew roots in the Messianic movement, write the name God. They believe they can't say it or, or even spell it out. Okay? So, we're going to do a whole study on that, hopefully in the, in the future here, which will continue the Hebrew root study. But, then it goes on to say, where all people will serve as, the for, as foreseen by King Solomon in his prayers at the dedication of the first holy temple. Come, let us love and respect one another, and love and honor and hold our Heavenly Father in awe. Because the reason they say that is because the Muslims, uh, the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians, they're saying at the core root, all worship the same Heavenly Father. 
Um, particularly with the Muslims, that's a total lie, because what they're worshipping is Allah, the moon god. And that has nothing to do with our Heavenly Father in heaven. Going further, it says, Let us establish a house of prayer in his name in order to worship and serve him together. For the sake of his great compassion, he surely does not want the blood of his creation spilled, but prefers love and peace among all mankind. We pray to Almighty Creator that you hearken to our call. Together, each according to his or her ability, we shall work towards the building of the house of prayer for all nations on the Temple Mount in peace and mutual understanding. That's the exact quote. So now, let's look at what the Bible has to say about this particular subject. If we, um, if All we have to really do is go to uh, 2 Corinthians 6. And I'm just turning there right now. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. The Bible says, in contrast to the statement that we just read, regarding born-again Bible-believing Christians, it says, verse 14, chapter 6, 2 Corinthians, Be ye not unequally yoked together, with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? So he's equating a born-again Bible-believing Christian and a unbelieving, unborn-again, unbelieving uh, unbeliever in the Bible. He's comparing that with righteousness and unrighteousness. doesn't mean we go around thinking we're better but there's a, there's a stark contrast here, okay, to be made. Verse 15 goes on to say, And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Belial meaning the devil. And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? An infidel meaning, in this particular case, an unbeliever. Okay, an unbeliever in, in the Bible, in uh, New Testament Bible-believing Christianity, an unbeliever in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, this is the uh, these are the things that they're they're trying to um, contrast here. Communion with darkness will affect your direction. Okay, so if you're communing with darkness, if you're if you are unequally yoked together with unbelievers, okay, in this particular thing. It's going to affect the direction that you're going to go in because that darkness is going to affect your vision. Going further, it says in verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. See, the Holy Spirit now indwells a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. Okay? Because with the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross tearing the um, temple veil from top to bottom, essentially, the Holy Spirit now lives inside a born-again Bible-believing Christian. We are the temple of the living gods. Okay? And it's asking, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? That would be very appropriate to something like uh, Islam, in particular. Because the God that they worship, Allah, is nothing more than the moon god. It's just another one of the pantheon of idols that can be worshipped. 
um, in many, you know, there's many different religions that have their own idols. Going further, it says, As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So, the Bible is very, very clear on this, that we're supposed to come out from among them, whereas this declaration we're seeing here with the Sanhedrin now and in uh, potentially the Muslims, they're saying, no, 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 we need to come together. The Bible says the very exact opposite. Okay, so, and then verse 18 is, concludes this chapter where it says, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord. Okay, but this is, is conditional, if you think about this. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Okay, so we're supposed to come out from among them, and touch not the unclean thing. We're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Then the Lord will receive us. And then, it says, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So this, you know, if you don't do this, if you're doing what they're telling you to do, um, you know, it, it sounds like that he's not going to receive you very well. And the Bible's very clear on this. So, this is something that's very, very important to understand. And the essence of the coming one world religion is going to be, the, the, the call is going to be unity. This ecumenical movement in order to bring about the one world religion of the false prophet and the antichrist. So, I just wanted to, to kind of contrast the two there so we could kind of understand the difference. goes on to saying, Oktar explained his vision for rebuilding of Solomon's temple to Richardson. He said, now Oktar is this Muslim he said, the palace of Solomon is a historically important place and rebuilding it would be a very wonderful thing. It is something that any Jew, a Christian, or a Muslim should welcome with enthusiasm. Every Muslim, every believer will want to return to those days. Now, I understand the temple has to be rebuilt. Okay? From a biblical standpoint, when Satan, or when the Antichrist steps into uh, the temple and commits the abomination of desolation, where he proclaims himself to be God, which is marking the midpoint of the tribulation, and when God's wrath really starts to be poured out, uh, the temple has to be rebuilt for that to happen. But this is not something I'm going to uh, give money to and to try to get it done. And there's a lot of people, particularly ones um, wrapped up in the Hebrew Roots movement, and they're actually putting... I know that there, there, uh, there are some splinters of that organization that are actually giving money to, to rebuild the temple. I mean, why? So that they can go back and reinstitute sacrifice, uh, literally animal sacrifices and things of that nature? Because that is part of the agenda. Well, Jesus Christ paid it all. He is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth. He is, when he said it was finished on the cross, it was finished. There's no more, anything else beyond Jesus Christ as the last sacrifice. Anything else beyond that is a total abomination in God's eyes. It's as though we got to go back to, the, to sacrificing lambs and bulls and goats and or whatever. 
in order to pay our sin debt. Jesus Christ paid our sin debt in full. If you don't believe that, then I can understand why you would want to go back and start to resacrifice and things of this nature. Because you don't believe you paid your sin debt. And the Jewish Sanhedrin sure don't believe that. The Muslims don't believe it. And I think that we're going to find out there's a lot of Christians that call themselves Christians that don't believe it either. But he's saying we should welcome this temple with enthusiasm. Well, again, I have mixed feelings about it. Yes, it's fulfilling biblical prophecy, but you know, I don't, I don't welcome anything with enthusiasm that's going to bring the, you know, usher in the uh, one world religion of Antichrist and and bring back temple sacrifices and things. All these these things that are totally against New Testament principles and uh, things of this nature. So if we go further, every Muslim, every believer will want to return to those days. To experience those days again, I'll bet partially to bring the beauty of those days back to life. Well, you know, that's his opinion. Uh, Now I'm posting this, I will be posting this like I always do in a PDF format up on the internet. And um, now we also have our website, praise the Lord, contendingfortruth.com contendingfortruth.com where you can go up there and uh, the teachings will be posted up there, the audios as well as the newsletters that we're putting out. We're going to be archiving more and more newsletters so you'll actually be able to go in there and um, go into the website and if you're wanting to find out about a given subject, you just key it in in the search box on the website and it'll it'll search all the the, uh, documents up there as well. That's a work in progress, okay? But it, it, uh, the website is up. So if we go further, Octar added that the Temple of Solomon will be rebuilt and all believers will worship there in tranquility. During his meeting with the Sanhedrin rabbis, Octar expressed his belief that the temple could be rebuilt in one year. Now, I think that's pretty significant what, that he said in one year because that was a question I always had. About, you know, is it going to be, if it's years and years and years, that means that it would be years and years and years before the Antichrist could commit, could commit the abomination of desolation. Uh, talked about in Daniel 9.27. So, he's saying it could be done in one year. It, um, it could be done in a year at the most. It could be built to the same perfection and beauty. The Torah says it was built in 13 years. If I remember correctly, it could be rebuilt in a year in its perfect form. Richardson later met with Rabbi Abrahamson and Rabbi Hollander, two of the Sanhedrin representatives, who conferred with Akhtar regarding the rebuilding of the temple. Rabbi Hollander explained, quote, The building of the temple is one of the stages in the messianic process, meaning they're building this for their coming Messiah. It's a messianic process. Okay? Their Messiah, unfortunately, is going to be the Antichrist. That's what he's going to con them into believing. Then he goes, uh, but another possibility that has been presented is the Dome of the Rock that sits so prominently on the Temple Mount will be used as a place of prayer for all nations, not just the Muslims. This should be fairly simple, explained Rabbi Hollander. It is called, it is said that the structure in the Dome of Harun. Haram-e-Sharif 
the Temple Mount was originally meant by Caliph Omar to be a house of prayer for Jews and the Al-Alaska for the Muslims. However, he also explained that religious Jews would not be able to enter the Dome of the Rock unless it had first been ritually cleansed through Jewish halakhic regulations. This is not the only similar call to rebuild the Jewish temple, points out Richardson. Yav Frankel is an Orthodox Jew who has been deeply involved in an interfaith dialogue with Muslims and also envisions a shared temple mount. So there's a lot of people that don't realize there's actually been a lot of dialogue between certain factions of the Jews and the Muslims to get this done. What we really see most of the time is just all the warring and the fighting between the Jews and the Muslims and things of this nature. The Interfaith Encounter Association is working on a project called God's Holy Mountain. It sees the day when the rebuilt Jewish temple will exist side by side with the Dome of the Rock. Okay, And again, this is extremely biblically relevant and significant, what we're talking about, the subject. And then you have the, the, um, the, the Jewish organization, the Temple Institute, who has already made m almost all of the major implements that need to be used that will that will be uh, used to reinstitute temple sacrifices and worship the same way it was laid out in um, the temple of Solomon they've already either remade or rediscovered these implements they've got the lampstand they were just parading that around Jerusalem not too long ago made to the made to the exact biblical uh, specifications they have already got most of the stuff already done. Okay, I'm on their email list. I know. I mean, I I get an email from them once or twice a week, and so they're they're definitely working toward this. This is something that's going to happen eventually. Richardson sees such plans tying into Barack Obama's calls for internationalizing the city of Jerusalem. Now we're we're inching closer and closer and closer to this two-state Palestinian solution and, and uh, you know, where, where there's a Palestinian state there. Then it goes on to say, a recent poll showed nearly two-thirds of Israelis back the idea of rebuilding the temple. I would venture to say, though, those two-thirds would not back the idea of having an interfaith temple at this point. Going further, it says, Meanwhile, the work on the Temple Institute, a group that has openly dedicated itself for years to rebuilding the Jewish Temple, goes on. And again, I mentioned the Temple Institute. You can go up there and key in Temple Institute on the internet and get on their email list. You know, a lot of the emails are just flat out, you know, I guess their opinion on biblical matters and things of this nature. And it's not really relevant to the actual rebuilding of the temple. It's they're wanting to do their little Bible study type of thing. Uh, but it is worth being on that particular list just to kind of keep an eye on that situation because it is very, very biblically relevant. Going further, it said, it has already created the Temple Institute. Many of the most significant priestly utensils and, pre and pieces of furniture necessary for the temple once it is ready. It's already been done. The suggestion of rebuilding the Jewish temple is deeply significant to Christians, particularly those who are students of Bible prophecy. 
according to the Bible, an imposter, Messiah, known as the Antichrist, will someday invade the land of Israel and set him up in God's temple. So that was the World Daily Net report, okay? The, the high points. Um, Cutting Edge then elaborated on this further, and I'm going to start reading their report now. When we see the worship center being built, we know that the final phase of the preparatory period prior to Antichrist has now been entered. This is a most important development, this whole, uh, what we've been talking about today here. In August of 1991, David Bay, the um, president, owner of Cutting Edge Ministries, cuttingedge.org, David Bay was sneaked into a private members-only and uh, members-only seminar given by the New England House of the Theosophy Director. Members-only that could bring guests. Okay? He was actually privy to go into this. This was back in 1991. And we're going to elaborate on this. Okay? But this was the New England House of Theosophy. Now, if you recall, Theosophy, which is essentially Luciferianism, uh, was started by Madame H.P. Blavatsky in 1875 and then continued with other high-level occultists, particularly Alice Bailey in her writings. H.P. Uh, Blavatsky and Alice Bailey also, you have to understand, are heavily, heavily, heavily promoted by the New Age movement, particularly the, the ones that get into more of the uh, Luciferianism, more into the darker side. A lot of the New Age stuff that we're seeing now is promoting Alice Bailey and H.P. Blavatsky. This devil Betraya character, or what they refer to as Lord Betraya, and his mouthpiece and false prophet Benjamin Krem, heavily promote Alice Bailey on their uh, website. In fact, recommended readings, if you go up to Share International, their website, Maitreya's website, and you go to the recommended reading section, you're going to see the vast majority of the books are all from Alice Bailey, some from H.P. Blavatsky. That's, good, that's what you're going to see. Okay, So again, we see a lot of confirmation over and over. The United Nations heavily supports the writings of, of Alice Bailey, H.P. Blavatsky. Okay? We see all of these high-level occultists recommending the same readings. And when you see that type of cross-confirmation, you know, it should get your attention. So the Illuminati had made some major decisions. Uh, this is going back to this report. The Illuminati had just made some major decisions. This was back in 1991. And the director of this House of Theosophy of New England wanted to alert his members and their guests to what these new things were. When you study the details of the, quote, New Jerusalem Covenant Project, with an eye towards world events since 1991, you will realize that this planning is being followed like a blueprint. Now, they're calling it the New Jerusalem, Jerusalem Covenant Project. Bill Lambert, the director of this House of Theosophy, spoke of the plan to create a combination worship center in Jerusalem, which would finally break the logjam of deadlock in the Middle East. Listen to this plan as spoken in August of 1991. Now, we're actually going to go over his notes from that. and uh, But this is more of a kind of an outline, what we're talking about right now. Uh, this is from Bill Lambert, House of Theosophy, 1991. Sometime between 1985 and 2010. Okay, now we're right at the end of this. It hasn't happened, obviously, yet. 
But sometime between 1985 and 2010, the following scenario will unfold, depending only on the right set of circumstances. Muslim and Jewish areas in Jerusalem will be combined with Christian to create the New Jerusalem Covenant. Then and only then will it be possible to build a combination temple, church, mosque in Jerusalem. I mean, why would this Luciferian theosophist be so concerned about a temple, you know, that, that had to really not even do with anything with his religion? Actually, it does, but, you know, this is a Muslim, Christian, Jewish temple. They're extremely obsessed with this particular subject, okay, as, as you'll see. Bill Lambert refused to say that this combination church building will be built on the Temple Mount. As I questioned him, this is um, David Bay actually questioned him, but note the specific part of the New World Order plan called the New Jerusalem Covenant Project envisions the establishment of a combination religious, Jewish, Islam, Christianity, um, Bill further stated that any political settlement in the Middle East would not, by itself, bring peace. In other words, a purely political settlement would leave the religious nature of the problem unsolved. That's true. Because you can't get around the religious conflicts that the Muslims have, particularly with the religious Jews. There's no way that's going to be overcome just by itself. It's just not going to happen one night that all of a sudden they decide to you know, play and get along. We're going to talk more about that too. Any permanent solution in the Middle East conflict would have to see the religious portion of the problem solved. See, the religious portion of the New World Order is the most important portion by far. You can talk all you want about the one world currency and the one world political system and all that other stuff, but it is the religious portion that the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to bring in that will be the bedrock foundation for the New World Order, okay? And that real religious portion, the essence of it is going to be witchcraft. The Bible talks that the Antichrist will cause craft to prosper in his hand. He's going to be, he's, he's going to be an understander of dark sentences. And a lot of these things allude to witchcraft, and we've been bombarded so much with the New Age movement, which is just nothing more than repackaged witchcraft. you got Oprah being the high priestess of... of a lot of that, you've got things like Harry Potter and all of these witchcraft video games that indoctrinate. You've got, you know, all of these horror movies that, that are out there and, and all of these little TV miniseries shows like Charmed and, and Medium and all of these things indoctrinating the masses into the coming, the essence of the coming one world religion, which will be witchcraft. Granted, you can still keep a certain part of your your uh, religion, like if you're a Catholic, you know, you've got your, your idols that you worship anyway in regard to that, and you think you're earning your way to heaven, and, and these types of things. So you will be able to retain certain essences, I believe, of those different cults, and that's what I call Catholicism, just the largest pseudo-Christian cult on the planet. It's what it is. It's just, you know, taking people to hell by the millions. It's a false gospel. It's another gospel. As, as the Bible warns about these things. And then you've got Hinduism and Buddhism, and they have their pantheon of idols and things that they worship, and, you know, Confucianism and ancestor worship and 
pantheism and Zoroasterism and, uh, you know, you could go on and on and on. These are all religions that are based on works. Whatever you do in this particular religion, in other words, that you feel um, these religions will teach that you have to do, 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 and do in order to get to wherever you, need, you want to end up, whether it be nirvana, paradise, heaven, whatever they want to call it. They're all works-based religions. And witchcraft is really no different. Satan is a cruel taskmaster. He'll make you jump through, you know, a million hoops if you let him. And ultimately, the last hoop, you're going to jump straight into hell. So many people have woken up after devoting their whole lives to these false religions, whatever, pick your flavor, and they wake up in hell one day and realize their life has been a total lie, lived and served to Satan. That is a sad thing. That is a very sad thing. But that's the reality for the vast majority of people on the planet. Jesus Christ said, Narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. So, you know, the Bible does predict it this way. This is the ultimate broad way, what we're talking about today. I mean, this is doesn't get any more broad than this. We're going to have all the religions coming into unity together. So there's there's going to be no more doubt in people's mind about what's the way, maybe is my way best. They're all going to be united on the same path. And what's going to galvanize this uniting factor is going to be when the Antichrist and the false prophet come with all lines, signs, and wonders and miracles, whereby which the Bible says that they will be able to deceive the whole world. That's the chief thing that's going to deceive people. Now, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, after the wicked is revealed, after the Antichrist is revealed, God is going to send strong delusion. I believe that delusion has already started to a certain extent, obviously. But the Bible says God will send strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth. They're going to believe the lie, the masses. The vast majority. God is actually the one sending it. Really, I believe in his judgment. The Bible says, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So, this is something we really need to be on guard about. We, we don't, um, lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11 We do not want to be ignorant of Satan's devices, particularly in the day and time that's coming. Hosea 4.6 My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Then it says, Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee and thy children. And thou shalt be a priest to me no more. So, we want to make sure we're not rejecting. Uh, I mean, if this is something that a, a, a Christian thinks that you know is a good thing, to come into unity and goes along with this garbage... He is being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And um, a lot of people are. A lot of people that have never opened up their Bibles, got into the Word of God, memorized the Word, they have nothing, they really have nothing to base their faith on. They just have, you know, their opinions and, and some teachings of men, and, and they've never sought these things out for themselves. The Bible says, to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth, 2 Timothy 2.15 
we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to be like the Bereans, as it talks about in the Bible, which were noble than those in Thessalonica, because they sought these things out in the Scriptures to see if they were so, daily. And um, the day and time we're moving into is going to be the greatest time of deception the world has ever known. Ever. And we do need to be armed with a certain amount of information in order to um, guard against that. And that, that's my ministry as a watchman. Okay? Uh, that's my thrust. That's the niche where the Lord's put me. And um, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Okay? So if we go further with this report... Okay, so continuing from what, what Lambert, this Bill Lambert, House of Theosophy was saying, any permanent solution in the Middle East would also have to see the religious portion of the problem solved. Once the religious problem is solved, then the power and the influence of the Orthodox Jews in Israel would permanently decline. End of quote. Therefore, one of the plan results of this combination worship center will be the decline of the power and the influence of the Orthodox Jews. Both the Illuminati and most Jews fear and hate the Orthodox Jews and believe that their Masonic plan for Israel can never be established as long as the Orthodox Jews wield considerable power and influence. Now, I'm not 100% sure uh, that why they're believing that. Maybe it's because they realize the Orthodox Jews maybe the ones at the highest levels, will never accept the coming Antichrist? I'm not 100% sure, because I believe that we need to make a proviso here with this last statement, saying, I don't believe the Antichrist is going to be against the Orthodox Jews that would, that would herald him in and promote him as the Messiah. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. But maybe there's going to be a large sect of them that don't do that. So, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to be super dogmatic about that, but I just want to throw that in there. Lambert then listed the only force capable of driving Israel into the arms of this plan. He said, quote, The impetus toward this type of settlement is made possible only because of the general fear of war. This fear of war must be maintained until the desired political and religious changes have been instituted. Well, how many reports have I done on the Middle East con conflict, the potential for World War III in that area? I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. All you have to do is turn your TV on to, to know that that's a fact. But see, understand, it's all contrived. It's a contrived war. I'm not saying the people that are actually participating in this aren't very emphatic and sincere in their belief systems, and that they are bent on, particularly the Muslims, on killing as many of the Jews as they possibly can. I mean, that's what the Quran tells them to do. And I've given you the, I've given you the uh, quotes from the Quran where it says this. Key and Muslim, in the search box on my homepage, up on Sermon Audio, and uh, you can see the teachings I've done on the Muslim, on the Muslims, and there's PDFs, associated with those, you can click on that. This, the Sermon Audio website is, you go up to sermonaudio.com, Ken Dr. Scott A. Johnson, do a search for it, and you'll find my site there. Or you could even go up on the internet and just do Dr. Scott Johnson Muslim, and you'll you get the teachings that way, too. It's They're ranked pretty high now up on the internet. Praise the Lord. So, <clears throat> going further... 
let's see here. So war is the thing they have to maintain. And obviously that has been done. Okay? Because the war must be maintained until the desired political and religious changes have been instituted. This is part of that religious and political change where we're going to have this combination mosque, church, temple, most likely on the Temple Mount. And then the two-state solution with the Palestinians and these types of things. When you think of the massive amount of threats of wars and terrorist bombings which have occurred nearly every single day in Israel since August 1991, you will be staggered. Every single terrorist attack was planned and carried out like the New Jerusalem, with the New Jerusalem Covenant in mind. Well, a lot of the people that were carrying out those ta- attacks had no clue about the New Jerusalem Covenant, but their higher-ups did, in other words. Every single pronouncement of the rumors of war was likewise meticulously planned, and the objective was and is to build the momentum necessary to build a combination worship center for all monotheistic faiths. Let us return to the most important part of the plan. Once the worship center is built, the Roman Catholic Pope arrives to take control of the New World Order religion. Now, this is from Bill Lambert, House of Theosophy. At the proper moment in history, the Pope will visit the Jewish Christian Muslim sector of Jerusalem. This is after this combination temple's been built, evidently. Um, and he will announce that all religions should be combined into one. Actually, no, it might be before that. This might be the impetus to actually build it. Um, When the Pope makes this announcement, it will finally break the Middle East logjam. At this moment, the religious false prophet will have risen to the world scene. Okay, so the false prophet is going to be more on the religious side of the Antichrist, okay? We believe it highly likely that the Pope will take control of the New World Order, unified religion, at the same time in world history as the ten leaders are professing, remember the ten kingdoms? The ten leaders are professing their strong support of the newly arisen Antichrist. Perhaps Jerusalem, that way we would have the ten political leaders pointing everybody to the Antichrist, and then we would have the Pope, the head of the coming one world religion, he would also be pointing to the Antichrist the Pope most likely being the false prophet. Perhaps Jerusalem is the city in which the momentous news conference will be held. This news story is one of the most important to occur in a very long time. The Illuminati plan is alive, well, and being followed like a blueprint. It's a script. It's scripted in the Bible. Okay? Okay. Taylor just asked me, what is it accomplishing for them to build this temple? Why? What's the... Well... I I told her, um, by getting everybody on the same page, obviously you're going to bring about unity of all religious faiths worldwide. Obviously there's going to be some people, um, the the ones that they they fear the most, we'll talk about that later, are the born-again Bible-believing Christians that will not uh, compromise but ultimately to bring all these world religions together. And what they're going to ultimately profess is whether you worship Buddha, whether you worship the pantheon of Hindu gods, whether you worship Krishna or whatever, what the Antichrist is going to say, his rhetoric will be, and he's going to have the line signs and wonders and miracles to back this up, he's going to say, you have to understand, 
all of these deities that you worship ultimately serve me. So no matter what deity you worship, it doesn't really matter. Because they all serve me. And then, every, do you understand, then that's how they're all going to get on the, the same page. All the fighting's going to stop. Why am I going to fight with, um, with a Jew anymore if we're all serving this, if ultimately we all have the same God that we're worshiped? Supposedly now he's going to manifest in human form and walk the earth. Okay? So, I hope that might answer your question there. So, anyway... Now, what we're going to be looking at now is the complete seminar notes that David Bay took from the House of Theosophy seminar, which reveals the plans for the last stages of the New World Order. This is the seminar from 1991 that he got snuck into. Uh, It starts out by saying, Many listeners have asked me many questions about the final stages of the world events leading up to the final establishment of the New World Order. It's divine man. The, the Christ or the biblical antichrist. This seminar is given to members, this was given to members of the House of Theosophy only and their guests. And it reveals answers to these questions and we will also learn that the New World Order plan gives the top leadership of the New World Order religion to the Roman Catholic Pope. We already alluded to that. If you think about it, what religion on the planet would be better set up to be the head of the coming one world religion. Is there a religion that has more money than the Catholic religion? I don't think so. Um, the other day, Taylor and I, um, we went out, we were we took a tour of a uh, park, uh, it was the Corkscrew Swamp, down near where we live. They've got this orchid that blooms only in this part of the United States called the Ghost Orchid. And we went down there, and we saw the Ghost Orchid, and... Um, I wanted to kind of drive through this area, and it was an area that um, where they built this gigantic university called Ave Maria. And it's out in the middle of nowhere. Very weird. I mean, we're talking a multi-multi-million dollar university town that is built literally out in the middle of nowhere, um, near really a... Immokalee, which is kind of a community where a lot of um, immigrants live, farm workers and things like that. It's not in a rich area. And But I always wanted to go out there. I wanted to pray over this, you know, pray against this wickedness. I love doing that. So we went there, and, um, man, I couldn't believe it. You know, we get in this place, and they've got their own shopping center. They've got their own Publix. It's neat as a pin. I mean, the whole thing is very, very neat, orderly. And essentially it has this town square that you drive into. And in the middle of the town square, the college is in the back. All of this is basically brand new. College is in the back. And right in the center is their big old Catholic church. It's not the biggest Catholic church you've ever seen. It's pretty tall. Made with all of this imported marble from like Italy and and stuff. And you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars to build this abomination in the sight of God. And um, we drove around, and I was praying and, and, and looking around. And, I mean, they have all these shops in there, and it's a whole community. And you can actually go there and buy a house and live there, and you would never have to even leave that community. You, you, you literally would I mean, I looked around, they had everything. They had a bicycle repair shop and what, Taylor? A hospital. A hospital? Yeah, there was an emergency medical center. Oh, there was an, I didn't see the emergency medical center. 
Uh, they had everything there, you know, coffee shops and you name it. And the centerpiece was this church, this this abomination Catholic church. And um, I'm like, I want to go in, you know. And so we went in, and um, I wasn't really dressed, you know, probably to go into a Catholic church. I was more casual, but we went in there, and I mean, I just wanted to kind of peek in. They were right in the middle of a mass, and so I was in there, and I was praying, and and, uh, it just, it gave you the feeling of death walking through the door. I felt, it felt to me like death. That's just all I can really tell you. It was dead religion, death. False religion, they've got all of their vestments and all of their big, um, impressive-looking buildings and, and their priestly robes and all this garbage that they worship. And it's pure false religion taking people straight to the pit of hell. Just evil. You know, sad. Very, very sad. But um, anyway, that was... There, there's. There, I said all that to say this. There's no other religion on the planet that I believe is more set up to assume the reins of the top echelon of the coming one world religion. There's no religion that has more money. There's no religion that has more power. There, there's just there's not one that exists. So I think they're the most obvious choice, just from a logical standpoint. And then also now we have the plant. We we have uh, confirmation here that it's going to be the Roman Catholic Pope. Um, that will be actually the head of this. Most likely, the Roman Catholic Pope will be the false prophet. What does that mean? Does that mean Ratzinger, or this current Pope we have, Pope Benedict, who was Ratzinger, does that mean he's going to be the false prophet? No, I don't believe that. I believe we're going to have a, another changing of the guard here. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. So, going back to these notes, it says, first we need to provide a little background about the seminar. It was early 1990, I was being interviewed on a Christian radio station about the coming New World Order. This is David Bay talking. At the conclusion of the hour, I received a phone call at the station from a man who said he was now a born-again Christian, but he had come out of the occult. The gentleman whom we called John said that he was thrilled to hear a Christian leader that had more than a rudimentary idea of what was going on. See, the churches have not prepared their congregations typically in any way, shape, or form to understand the essence of the coming deception and the coming occult onslaught and the coming Antichrist agenda. And I think it's pretty important we know these things at least to have a rudimentary understanding of what's going on. Because the occultists can look at the typical pew-warming, quote, Christian and laugh and say, oh my word, he doesn't even have a clue. Uh, furthermore, John said that he would like to show me much more material that I should read to deepen my understanding about the occultic New World Order. John had been a member of the Worldwide Church of God, or Children of God, plus the House of Theosophy. I decided to meet John to ascertain whether he was real or fake, and whether he could be trusted. After our first meeting, John took me to the largest New Age bookstore I'd ever seen. It was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, not far from the Harvard University campus. John showed me many books that he recommended, and the sequence in which I should read them. I bought the first book then, and have been reading ever since. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and do this, because I really, I would caution you on this strongly. Uh, I've seen people that have done this and 
they got ruined. They, they, you know, they want to go out and read all of, you know, Madame Blavatsky's book and Isis Unveiled and Alice Bailey's stuff. Nah, I, I'm sorry. Number one, if you bring those books in your house, it's one thing I think if you were to go to, like, a library and read some of them, but I would not be bringing these books into your house. I'm telling you, they're cursed objects. And we're not supposed to bring cursed objects into our house by, like, reading the, the Satanic Bible. And I've known pastors and stuff, and they had whole libraries where they had all these occult books. I don't have one. You might hear me quote from some of them, but it doesn't mean I actually went out, spent my money to bring a curse into my house. Now, I'm not saying that's what he did, but we have to be really cautious about doing this. Because I have seen, um, particularly one Christian that I knew, and you know, he really, really got off track. We started this. And um, it's very insidious how it happens. So, anyway, he started reading these things um, to broaden his understanding of the New World Order plan. He said, I could not believe the difference it made when I went to the actual sources of the books themselves, rather than relying upon some excerpts of the books from the Christian authors. I discovered also that while Christian authors were correct in what they were saying, there was so much more that they were not saying. My horizons of the understanding were dramatically widened. Over a year passed, and John and I became close friends, and he, my confidant. He's calling this guy John, this guy that was a member of the House of Theosophy. Several months ago, I received the greatest compliment to my occult understanding from a practicing national socialist, as he identified himself. Of course, this label means that the person was a practicing Nazi, and it was clear from his email that he had a very deep understanding of the practice of the occult. The Nazi told me that I had certainly been reading the right material. And he warned me not to try to use my knowledge of the occult to identify the Antichrist. He warned me that such an attempt would probably result in my untimely death. I took this email as a compliment and then I realized it was a compliment of John, the guy that had shown him a lot of this. But now back to my story. Early in August of 1991, John called me to tell me that the New England director of the House of Theosophy, Bill Lambert, was holding a seminar in the Boston headquarters. Now, we've already read you some excerpts, okay? I'm just giving you more background now. The name of the seminar was entitled The Possible and Probable Events in the Future, uh, which really piqued my interest. John said that Bill Lambert was one of the major players in the New World Order planning, because the House of Theosophy has always been such a major player since Madame Blavatsky had founded it in 1875. And again, these teachings are foundational to what Benjamin Krem and Maitreya have been recommending, and many, many, many other New Age teachers that you know Oprah has, has brought on, this whole thing with, um, oh my word, I've done so many teachings on that, but so many of these people that she's promoting you can boil it back to Alice Bailey and Madame Blavatsky. It's the essence of the coming deception. So John said that Bill Lambert still considered him a member, even though this guy was a born-again Christian now. He still considered him a member. So he could get in with me as his guest. John asked me to keep my identity of a Christian a secret and just to take notes. The revelations were astounding, not so much to their actual content, but because their plans fulfilled Bible prophecy and much of what revealed 
showed the end time was truly upon us. Lambert revealed many points, a few of them bear mentioning. Lambert revealed the circumstances under which the New World Order religion was established, finally drawing all the world's existing religions into one. He further revealed who was the top leader to be chosen to lead the global religious behemoth. Of course, the leader would automatically be the false prophet of the religious portion, of which Revelation 13 tells us. To my knowledge, this represented the first time anyone had revealed who the false prophet was planned to be. Lambert reveals the importance of the appearance of the Antichrist and some of the signs and wonders that will precede his appearing. Remember, he's going to deceive the whole world with all lying signs and wonders and miracles. Here is a high, high level occultist telling us his viewpoint. Lambert revealed that much knowledge in the past had been given to occult men throughout the ages, a fact that I had learned from other sources. Remember, these are my notes, David Bay's notes, and therefore they are not an exact transcript. So we're just kind of hitting the high points. I also admit that at times the revelations which Lambert had made made me so excited because of the biblical and end-time revelations that I found it hard to keep writing at the next sequence of events he was outlining. Remember, Lambert is revealing details of a human plan created in cooperation with, quote, supernatural guiding spirits to establish the new world order, like the fallen angels and demons and devils. They're the ones that ultimately guide the hand of these deceived men and women. They have no idea that their plan simply and accurately fulfills Bible prophecy. So now on to the notes. The title again, Possible and Probable Events of the Future, by Bill Lambert, Director of the New England District of the Theosophical Society, Boston, Massachusetts. This was on 818 of 90, 1991. Notes on Lambert's seminar. Number one, prophecy. Uh, the self-fulfilling nature of prophecy. What a person thinks he creates, occult law, states that energy follows thought. Therefore, collective belief in wrong prophecy by millions of people can cause an immense unconscious level of negative feelings that can lead to fulfilling of prophecy. Now remember, this is this Bill Lambert guy talking. Armageddon is a good case in point. People believe in Armageddon concept, which is that the present world must be destroyed before the new can be created. <clears throat> the new heavens and the new earth. This guy's totally biblically illiterate, evidently. Armageddon is not about that. It's about a war, okay, <laughs> that takes place in the Valley of Megiddo uh, over over in the uh, the Holy Land. But he's saying that this is where the whole earth is to be destroyed and created, new heavens and a new earth. Now, that doesn't happen until after the millennium, so he's not biblically accurate there whatsoever. He goes on to say, therefore, massive collective belief of this concept leads towards a self-fulfillment of the concept. Belief in Armageddon is intertwined around Israel and the Middle East, and this is causing nations toward this region, possibly setting the stage for massive war, even nuclear war. So he's saying this is all their intent. Uh, and it'd be, it's becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, it's going to fulfill the Bible, ultimately. And then he goes on to talk about the New Jerusalem Covenant Project. Sometime between 1985 and 2010, the following scenario will unfold. Now, right, understand, 1985 to 2010, we're right at the end of that time period. We've got the rest of this year, six months, and the rest of next year, when they were saying the scenario was. And, you know, I believe absolutely that this is going to happen probably very soon. 
He says the following scenario will unfold under the right set of circumstances. A Muslim, Muslim and Jewish areas in Jerusalem will be combined with Christian to create a new Jerusalem covenant, which in which all religions will convene to celebrate three religious festivals simultaneously. Now, I believe this can only happen once the Antichrist is made as seen with the false prophet, okay? Because people aren't just going to give up all of their their religious holidays and things of this nature unless there's a real good reason. However, the religions will convene to celebrate the three religious festivals simultaneously. Number one will be the Festival of Goodwill, normally in May and June. Now, so you know, this is where everyone will be forced to bring massive donations to all the Goodwill thrift stores worldwide or suffer the consequences. Sorry, I made that up. Sorry about that. A little humor there. Anyway, um, and then the Festival of Easter, or what I like to refer to as Ishtar, the goddess Ishtar. I've done several teachings on Easter. If you think it's Christian, please listen to this and look at the PDF file. Please look at the facts. Uh, Ishtar has to be determined through astrology, just so you know, uh, every year. That's why the date moves around. If it was the, you know, the uh, date when Jesus rose again from the dead, why would it change? Is something to think about. Uh, you can look access that study. And they're saying the festival of Ishtar will celebrate the new birth as exemplified by the Christ. The coming the Christ. The, the, the Antichrist, really. Which will be Jesus Christ to the deceived Christians. Okay, And then there's the festival of Wisak. Normally in March, celebrates the birth of Buddha. We can't leave Buddha out. He's a big guy. He needs to be appreciated. Okay? Sorry. Anyway, this celebration of these three combined festivals will create the New World Order. Now again, if it doesn't play out exactly this way, you know, don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what this Bill Lambert guy is saying. The Antichrist has had all kind of plans to implement, and they've been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. I've said this before. If they would have had their way, we would have all been under this... New World Order state in 1984. You know, that's why George Orwell, you know, with the books 1984 and these types of things. But the Lord, in His mercy, has continually pushed back these things. And um, we're on His timetable, not Satan's, in other words. So, religion will be the spiritual equivalent to the political United Nations. Uh, this is, remember, these are the notes he's taking. When the religious communities of the world are thus merged... Political governments to simultaneously hold the following political business conferences. So the religious people will have their festivals, and then they have the political governments will have their political business conferences once a year. One will be the Planetary Goodwill Congress. The next will be the Planetary Human Resource and Disarmament Congress. 